This is Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 344. Why I Don't Want My Children to Be the Best, part one, by JT with thewildwong.com. Hi, and thanks for coming by. I'm Joss Marie, and I'm your personal narrator here on the show where I cover all things relationships. And if you'd like to learn more about my show or any of the other four shows in our network, you can do so right at oldpodcast.com. Lee and Justin actually had the site revamped a few months ago, and it looks pretty sharp. But with that, let's get to part one of guest author JT's post and start optimizing your life. Why I Don't Want My Children to Be the Best, part one, by JT with thewildwong.com. My eight-year-old daughter Zuzzy dribbles to her right in a hunching gallop like a wounded wildebeest before she bounces the ball off of her foot. Moments later, a teammate passes to her. The ball somehow squeezes through her delicate outstretched arms and rolls onto her face before bouncing onto the hardwood floor. She freezes, not knowing what to do with the ball drumming at her feet. On this cold winter morning, I huddle amongst a cluster of parents. For my amusement, I tallied the amount of hours and cost of private coaching it would take for her to make the Stanford team. Picture this. Fresh off an academic all-American season at Stanford, she's ready to start her internship at Snapchat before starting up her own multi-billion dollar business. What a dream. Who wouldn't want this for their children? Me. Why not? You've heard of the saying, keeping up with the Joneses? But did you know that what fuels your drive to keep up with these Joneses is something called the relative income hypothesis? The relative income hypothesis states that your spending and happiness is based on your ranking relative to others. The Harvard economist who developed the theory, Dr. James Dusenberry, says, quote, Strong tendencies exist in our society for people to emulate their neighbors and to strive toward a higher standard of living, end quote. In other words, we'd really rather have status than wealth. For example, We would rather make $50,000 if those around us make $25,000 than $100,000 if others around us make $200,000. The relative income hypothesis manifests in the car you drive, the house you live in, the bags you carry, and your children. Turns out that you're not just keeping up with the Joneses, but Jones Jr. as well. We see this in the dizzying number of activities in which we enroll our children to make sure they're not missing out. We feel it when they don't bring home a trophy while our friends did. Loss of ambition or lost ambition? Is it wrong to want our children to succeed? Not at all. I have very high hopes for and expectations of my three children. The issue is not ambition, but the owner of that ambition. When we expect our children to keep up with or exceed our neighbor's children, it often ends in disappointment because these expectations many times are rooted in our ego and insecurity, which are hard to satisfy. If our children never take ownership of their ambition, they shift their desire for success from one that is self-motivated to one that is parent-pleasing or a feeling of what they're supposed to do. They are so focused on achieving for you that they don't ask themselves important questions like if this is the life they envision. It's no wonder why so many kids who have much can feel empty. In The Price of Privilege, Madeline Levine writes that, quote, In spite of parental concern and economic advantage, many of my adolescent patients suffer from readily apparent emotional disorders, addictions, anxiety disorders, depression, eating disorders, and assorted self-destructive behaviors, end quote. We want the best for our children, but the way we go about it might not produce the best outcome. 
As you can see, this top-down motivation isn't sustainable or desirable. Instead, I believe in fostering a strong internal motivation. Six tips to help develop strong internal motivation. Number one, bottoms-up approach. Figure out who they are and their talents. Dr. Mary Reckmeyer, author of the book Strengths-Based Parenting, Developing Your Children's Innate Talents, says, quote, Innate talents, those behaviors, thoughts, and feelings that come naturally to you, don't change much over time, end quote. In other words, from a talents perspective, your children are pretty much who they will be. What are your children drawn to and what do they pick up easily? Encourage achievement in those areas. One important benefit of a bottoms-up approach is that it encourages you to spend meaningful time engaging with your children. Number two, hear that in tomorrow's episode. You just listened to part one of the post titled, Why I Don't Want My Children to Be the Best, by JT with thewildwong.com. JT is a guest author on Kristen Wong's site who writes about family and financial education. And you can actually check out his blog to see more of his work if you'd like, right at justmakingsense.com. And just real quick in reference to today's post, I find the bottoms-up approach that JT points out in tip number one to be very intriguing. I think sometimes as parents, we get wrapped up in trying to encourage our littles to enjoy sports, hobbies, or activities that we've already pre-selected for them, rather than letting them naturally gravitate toward and focus entirely on the talents that come naturally to them. And I know sometimes this is hard, like I pray almost every single day that Talon doesn't want to play football because I fear the likelihood of concussion or brain injury. But I'm going to go ahead and note this in as many places as possible and try not to forget it as he grows older so that he can choose what he wants to do and it's not about me. But with that, let's go ahead and finish on up. Thanks for joining me. Have a good one. And remember to come on back again tomorrow for part two of this post, where your optimal life awaits.